Good evening, everyone. How's everybody doing? It's a blessing to be here tonight. Um, it's like, you know, I go to different places and like a family, extended family to just um, hear about you. We pray together weekly and just um, you guys have been more than a blessing to our family. Um, I can't express gratitude and thanks enough, but um, it's radically impacted our family. It's radically impacted our ministry and, um, and just uh, our personal life to our public life has just been touched by this church and what God has um, ministered to you guys' heart, your pastors, your leadership, and, um, and we are so forever grateful. And, um, and so with that... Um, We'll talk about the things that's going on, but we want to use um, the scriptures to kind of point out the illustrations and the stories, and I'll fill you in along the way. So Ephesians chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, if you need a Bible, slip up your hand, and I'm sure they'll get one over to you. And while you're turning there, I just want to have a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you. Thank you, Lord, um, for this time. Thank you for just the privilege it is to just gather amongst um, the body of Christ tonight, um, so many people, so many places, so many um, things, but um, you set us aside right now to, to hear your heart for us, and um, Lord, we want you to just have your way with us. Speak to us, meet us here. You know each and every one of us. You know where we are. You fashioned us, and um, you know what we need to hear tonight, Lord, uh, more than um, what you're doing in a city, Lord God, what you want to do in our hearts. And so um, we pray that our hearts would be open and receptive to all that you desire to share with us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, it's Ephesians, we'll cover um, verses 4 through 7 tonight. But um, as we look at that, um, just a little bit, you know, as we partner together um, my family and I moved down to Newark uh, about a year and a half ago now. Um, we finally just closed on our house that we owned up to about eight miles away from our area where we live at now. And, um, and we've been living here. And since we've been living there, my wife and I, some of you guys may have heard this before, but um, we've become like the community parents, you know, a lot of kids, they don't have dads or that structure in their home. But, um, you know, it's a blessing hearing a young lady, not even me, that I live in the same place since I was born, had the same bedroom since I was born, you know, but that young lady had that. And um, that's not the case for many kids that we deal with um, and many even adults that we we deal with. Um, but nonetheless, um, not only have we become the community parents, but we've had a lot of opportunities to minister in the schools, um, not only across the street, but two of my other children had gone to, one of them graduated high school this year, the other one is in another high school. And um, just really wild, like, you know, I became the PTO president on top of pastor in a church, you know, <laughs> and it's like, what in the world is this, you know, but the open doors that God has given us um, through the, um, just 
being a part of the schools. When we first moved there, I'll be honest with you, when we first moved there, you know, we said, we're going to bring our kids, we're going to put them in private school, and, and we're just going to, you know, we're going to be here in obedience, but we're going to isolate our kids from all the chaos, you know? And, and real soon, one of my children said, Dad, can we go to the public school? And I said, I got real spiritual. I said, well, we'll we begin to pray about that. You know? And so we began to pray, and God really convicted our hearts because really, I'll be honest with you, I probably would not have been as active and as engaged with the school had it been for my children being a part of those schools. And so um, earlier this year, one of the kids in our community um, was murdered. I was with him at 1 o'clock, and by 5.05, he was dead. Um, 16 years old, they killed him. Um, and from that, the councilman of our ward asked if I would be willing to head up the community events. And so, like, we've gotten the opportunity to do a few things. There's just been a blessing to engage um, the families and the people in, in that community. But looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 really cover um, our background. If you're a believer today, if you're someone who's put your trust in Christ Jesus, it's our past. It should be. If you look at verse 1, it says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And so seeing from verses 1 through 3, we see here he's saying he's made us alive. And that's in italics, but it's mentioned again in verse 5. But notice here he says you were. You see, if you're not walking with Christ today, the word wouldn't be you were, but you are presently today dead in your trespasses and sins. But here we see something here. He says, this is what we were. We were dead in our trespasses and sins in which you once at one time walked according to the course of this world and to the princes of the powers of the heirs and the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And he says, we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of of the flesh and of the mind, where um, by nature, we're by nature children of wrath, just like the others. And you know, I like that last part where it says, just like the others, because so often we could forget that we too were like the others, the people of the world. Especially if you've been walking with the Lord some time, you know, you kind of create this, you know, Christian culture around you and you begin to forget that there is a lost and dying world out there unless you're really serious and intentional about sharing the gospel with people and really staying connected to people that are other. They're not like you and I. They, they haven't put their trust in Christ. And so here, understanding this here, and we'll look at the good news today in light of our lives in verses 4 through Seven, And what we find is the first statement we'll read. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the age to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Tonight, if you're taking notes, we want to outline this in three simple points. Number one, verses four through the beginning of verse five, God's love shown to us. 
That's God's love shown to us. And then the second part of verse 5 into verse 6 is God's love shared with us. God's love shared with us. And then finally in verse 7, it's God's love shown through us. You know, if you ever take a $100 bill and you crumbled it up, you know, maybe spill some juice on it, um, you know, maybe even burnt some portion of it, you know what? It still doesn't lose its value. You can go to a store and make a purchase because the value is not by what you say we, or you and I say it looks like. But the reality is that the government said this $100 bill is worth $100 and that's it. No matter what it looks like, if it's put together, you can use it. I know someone that works a retail store and they were mandated to take some burnt bills because, hey, it still had its value. But here, look, understand this. Many of people that we deal with, that we have the privilege to deal with, their lives have been stomped. They've been crushed, whether by drug addiction, whether by abandonment, all kinds of issues that they face in their lives. But the reality is this. They don't lose their value because their value is predicated by what God says about them, not what you and I feel or think about them. And so when you look at that, you must think about this and see this with me because, hey, the first thing it says here in verse 4, it says, but God. And if you look back in your life, and if you have, you know, maybe we're looking like we're put together today, but many of us can say, but God, and but for the grace of God. And so when you look back and you're able to say, but God, it changes this whole situation. It changes the whole context of our lives. And it starts here in verse 1, I mean in verse 4, and it says, but God. You know, Satan will try to bring up your past and condemn you for your past, but you and I are able to say, but God. We should be able to testify that. You know, your wife can bring up some past behaviors that you may have had. You can say, yes, baby, but God. And vice versa, husbands, you know, you can say, but God, wives, you can say, but God. But here, look, understand this here. And, and you may remember the story from Genesis chapter 50. Remember, even with Joseph and his life, the, the, his brothers meant evil for him. But he said, but God was with him. He even testified, Stephen testifies of the same thing when he's testifying of his brothers, of um, Joseph's brothers being jealous or envious of him. And he tells them, but God was with him. And so when you look at your life, you have to ask the question, is God with you? Is God truly with you? And if God is with you, don't worry about what your past was then when he wasn't with you. But think about who he is today in your life. So now seeing this, and moving into the passage, God's love shown to us. And the first thing we note is that it's shown in richness. And we want to point out three things that we learned tonight about who God is here. Number one, it says he is rich in mercy. In other words, he is abundantly wealthy, never ending in what? Mercy, or the word can be translated compassion or pity. In other words, we're not getting what we deserve. And here it says, hey, he, he, he is abundantly wealthy in this thing called mercy. And he distributes this to us. Psalms 36, um, verse 5, as well as Psalms 103, verse 10 and 11 testify of this. It says, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquity. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards us who fear him. 
I want to share a story with you tonight about a young fella who came into our house. There's these two young boys that are like our sons, and they, their friends one night needed a ride home. And when they brought these two young fellas over that night for this ride, one of them took my laptop from the kitchen, put it in his bag, shot out the door, and even got a ride with used my wife's gas, got a ride home. Next morning, I'm looking for my laptop high and low. I can't find it. I'm saying, okay, I'm getting a little older now, so maybe I misplaced it, you know? I see the charger. I'm saying, I know I brought that laptop in here last night. Go on the camera review, and I see one fella has a bag. The other one doesn't. I say, who are these guys that was in the house or whatever? And we go over to their community. And um, I know a couple people over there, but nonetheless, I'm looking for, you know, these kids. And um, one of the guys on the bench jumps up off the bench. He says, man, I can't see it on you, but um, you must have gone through a whole lot in your life in order to walk up in here and ask for your stuff back because people don't come here and looking for their stuff once it's gone. <laughs> I said, look, man, I'm not into all that. All I know is that there's some important stuff on my laptop. And one of these kids stole my stuff. And so for a cost of a couple of days, you know, here I am looking. And then it just dawned on me, hey, you know what? We should go and talk to what they would call the big homie, the boss, right? <laughs> and, and, and I know that guy also. And so we go in there and we talking to him. And he said, give me a few minutes and I'll call you in a few minutes and I'll get to the bottom of it. Long story short, the computer was in the pawn shop by then. He wished that I had got in contact with him sooner, but he made the boy go and um, see if he can get it back. And the boy got disciplined, however that works. It's three minutes in the hallway, three and a half minutes in the hallway, you get beat up. But I seen the boy, and I found out he played in our basketball tournaments and all of these things. And um, the kid wanted to give me money back for the laptop. and. Um, I just really felt like, no, let it be a lesson. You know, I could have got the police involved and all of these things. But really, what was happening, and I really didn't feel like this, you know. I mean, honestly, in the beginning, it was like I wanted to choke this kid. That's just being honest, you know. I had to remember something. This is what the Lord began to remind me of, that his mercies are new every day towards me and you, right? Not only that, that he delights in giving mercy. And you see here, and I say this because when you look, a lot of times we know the Lord to being rich in mercy towards us. But a lot of times we don't want to be distributors of that same mercy that we are recipients of. And you see, the Lord is calling us to not just be recipients of this mercy, but also to be distributors of that same mercy that we receive. Amen? Amen? Amen. We, we, we can see some people that, oh man, you know what? Thanks for the mercy, but we don't want to give mercy back to them. And I can, I'm sure you can think about three people because I can too, you know? But here, look, understand this is not only that he's rich in mercy. Watch this. He's also great in love. His love is great. And this love, that greatness that is spoken of means much in quantity. 
And so here, seeing this love that's spoken of, it's the agape love. It's unconditional. It's looking here. It's willful direction towards men. It's for their benefit. And you see, many times we look at love as being mushy. Oh, you know, enabling, pampering. But I want you to remember back. Remember the Jews were looking for a deliverer. They were under oppression or, you know, persecution by the Romans. And what did God give them? Gave them love, but he gave them Jesus nailed to a cross. That's not what they were looking for. But he knew what man needed. And what man needed was a deliverer, someone to rescue them from the place they were in. It was totally opposite, but it was love. And so when we see this here, we must understand and remember that God is Hey, not only rich in mercy as we see here, but he also loves us with this great love. His love is great, and his love here we see is great towards us. What do we mean by this here? In other words, he cherishes you. He has an affectionate heart towards you and I. And when we see here, you're talking about a but God. The Bible tells us. Matter of fact, I think Pastor Britt mentioned that verse and when he opened but God demonstrated his love towards us that while we were still sinners, what did Jesus do? He died for us. And so I think so often about the people that we deal with, like, for example, an addict or maybe a prostitute or maybe a gang member or even look here. I'll tell you, I deal with people that are gay, people that are, you know, transvestites. And the kids will see me standing on the steps and, and, and maybe talking to someone that's like a transvestite and they'll... <laughs> Pastor Ray, you know, and they're joking, they're snickering, they're wondering, um, what's up with you, you know? And, and, and I have to let them know, look here, those folks need Jesus just like you and I do. And so for the sake of love, I'm willing to extend that love. And, and here, as you look and you think about this, look, so often people can say they want help like an addict. Hey, meet me here on Monday morning, and we'll go through the process to get you the proper help. And they don't show up. And then they say, oh, you know, well, you know, I was doing this, or, or I was going to come, and I overslept, and all of these things. And you can start to think, like, man, this person ain't serious or isn't serious. And, but, but the reality is this, is that God placed us there to point people to him to love them unconditionally. And you know what? Sometimes people aren't where you and I may want them to be, but the reality is that he's placed the folks in front of you to build them up and to challenge them and to encourage them to be moving in that direction of Christ, if you may. And so when you look here, it's a great love that he's shown towards us. And that compassion that's shown to us, the mercy, we have pity, if you may. We're moved by a situation, but we also should have love. And that love is a little different than having that heartfelt compassion. It's willing to go the extra mile. It's the love that, that is willing to love an individual so much that, that you're willing to be engaged with them and share life with them. And so when you think about this, you know, we as professing Christians, we must ask ourselves, are we taking on the character that is like Jesus? 
We have to ask ourselves that. We have to be honest. Am I this way? Am I rich in mercy? Do I have great love? And am I willing to love others with this great love that I am a recipient of? And so when we think about this, look, you know, let's think about in the respect of someone in need. Do we tend to have compassion for them or do we tend to avoid them? Watch this. One of my children, the youngest one, not too long ago, um, there's a young little girl and they have a little picture up for her. All right, but I want to tell you the story about this young little lady here. This young little lady just turned six years old on Friday. Her mother was released Friday night from prison. Her father is facing two murder cases right now, about to start trial. And this little girl, if you see her out in the street at 1, 2 in the morning, it may be too early. She's still outside. And this little girl here, as you look, last week, Saturday night, around 1130 at night, there was a shooting that took place. And she ran in the house to the people that she was staying with while her mother was incarcerated. And they told her to go back outside. Think about that. Five, six years old. But that little girl also was in our VBS a couple of weeks ago. And that little girl, on the second day when they were doing the review, she was at the edge of the seat. I know the answer. I know the answer. Oh, can I? And I took out my camera to record it because it was just incredible. It moved me to tears. And, it, and when she saw me recording her, she went down like this. So I put it away because I'd rather her answer the, 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 the questions than to, you know, for me to get the footage, if you may. But here, look, watch this. My son found out that she doesn't receive breakfast in the morning. She goes around asking for change and, hey, can I go to candy? You know, can I get a dollar to go to candy store and get junk food and stuff like that? So my son said, and that's not my son over there, by the way, but my son said, hey, you can come over my house from now on. And what we'll do is I'll begin to make you breakfast. You don't never have to go without breakfast in the morning. That's him. And so watch this. The next day, she didn't come by herself. <laughs> there were about six kids. He, he, he said he had breakfast for us over here. What was really incredible is this, right? This past weekend, I went to a church to share, and I shared this same story. And somebody I know from that church gave us carton full of liquid eggs, pancakes, bacon, sausages. And even someone wrote a check for the little girl for 50 bucks. I was just like, wow, Lord, you love her. It's just the Lord. And his little young heart willing to do or put himself in a place where he was up. He going to cook. You know, the first day my wife was up with him. She said, hey, this, this was your ministry. You, you, said, you, you said he was doing this. You're going to have to get up and get in that kitchen. And so the next day he was up whipping up them, you know, whatever he said that he would make for them. And it's just a blessing to see. And that little girl has been in our house from early, early morning to late, late night, lately. And so somebody, by the way, came by yesterday. Hey, we want to give you a bike. 
little girl's bike. She opens the door. Hey, Pastor Ray, where, who, who's that bike for? I said, in a minute, it's going to be yours. Before I turned around, she was on it riding the bike. <laughs> and so it's things like that that take place. But also, let me, how about when you're dealing with conflict and love? Here, look, understand this. So many times I'm asked to go into the schools in our neighborhood to deal with and talk to the kids about conflict resolution. Because you know what? Me and you may know how to sit down and talk a situation out. But a majority of the kids we deal with, they only know how to fight to handle their situations. And if it, if it doesn't turn out to fight, it'll be a shooting. That's how they deal with their anger and frustration. That's just the reality. But look here, I want to tell you about a 15-year-old kid. He's kind of like my son. I've put up a picture here for him. That kid's 15 years old. You see, he got a tattoo on his hand. That tattoo is of the 16-year-old kid that got murdered early in January, right? That kid's 15, but he's one of 10 children. His oldest brother is serving a life sentence. His other two older brothers run the gangs in our neighborhood. He's in a tug of war. He comes from a Muslim family. He has younger brothers and a sister that the younger ones are starting to come and have been at church. And he, they say, he is the, the only Muslim that goes to church more than, than any other Muslim. They say like he, he's a Muslim that claims, or he claims to be Muslim that's always at the church, you know. And so it's pretty interesting, but he's always at our house. He's like our son. And you have to pray for him because when you see a kid like him who's fatherless, mother's paralyzed, you know what? How does a kid, how do you help a kid who hasn't put their trust in Christ as of yet how to deal with conflict? When he's self-consumed, pride, anger, all of these things, and just walking through life with him day by day, giving him an alternative to his ways of thinking. And so here, when you think about this, you know, many times we deal with folks that are angry, they're upset, and they don't know how to deal with conflict. So often we have to show compassion towards them, even when they get on your nerves. You know, sometimes I'll tell you what, this has been the biggest challenge because I have four children, and you know what, when my children were little... This belt right here, not this one, but the other one that's in the house is still there. You know, it, it worked for their behinds. And you know, I said this before, but I'll say it again. You, some people go, oh, don't spank your kids. And when I say to people that say that, timeout don't work. Timeout, you know, let me tell you what timeout does. Timeout just gives your kids some timeout to think about some more bad stuff to do. Timeout don't work. You know what the Bible says, though? Spare the rod, spoil the child. If you spank your children, they surely will not die. All four of mine are still alive. And as they, you know, they, they, they just follow suit. The youngest one, we ain't hardly have to spank because he's seen the older ones. He's like, mm. You giving a look, straighten right up. You go to a restaurant, they're not kicking on the floors and going through the, all, all the, they know how to sit down and behave. The people come, oh man, you have the, the wonderful behaved kids. They used to try what we do. <laughs> but knowing how to deal with a community, I can't take my belt off for these kids that are around there. 
God, I say, God, please show me how to work with the kids around here. But look, it's mercy and it's love and remembering the mercy that I have received from the Lord, the love that I received from him, and also to give that back to others. I don't know that we'll get through all of this because I'm telling you stories and stuff like that. But I want you to see this here because we see moving into verse 5, God's love is shown in verse 5. It says, even when we were dead in trespass. I have a question for us tonight because Paul seems to be amazed by this phrase. Are you and I loving people even when they are in sin and trespasses, when they have offended you, when they have sinned against you, when they have wronged you, are we willing to still love individuals even when they have trespasses and sins against us? You know, that's very difficult. But I tell you what, it's a choice. You see here, you must understand being merciful is the choice. And you know what? Showing love towards people often requires being vulnerable. You see, because so often somebody does something wrong to you, you have to come and say, oh, that hurt me. You offended me. And we don't want to tell nobody that. You know why? Because we think we're going to use it for ammunition on the next time situation occurs. You know that, right? I mean, if you're married, you know that. Don't, don't act like, oh, no, I never had a marital situation where my wife or my husband never used ammunition against me. We always just fought fairly. I've been married 20 years, guys, almost 20 years. And we had to learn not to fight below the belt. Because we say a lot of things that hurt. That were offensive. And you know what? That built layers on my heart where I didn't want to be vulnerable. I had to learn to be able to trust my wife. You know what? I'm just, I'm going to love her beyond, you know, those trespasses that she had presented to me in earlier years. And so here, when you look at this here, hey, are we willing to love people past their trespasses and sins. You know why? Because so often we deal with people based on our emotion opposed to reality. What do you mean by that? Let me tell you a story. Now, a couple months ago, I went to the gym and I, um, I forgot my cell phone at the house. And I thought I left it in the bathroom on the counter there. And my wife came to the gym and I, said, I was saying in my head, if she loved me, Lord, you'll have her to bring my, my, my cell phone to me, you know? And she gets there, and she doesn't have a cell phone. I'm saying, oh, she must not love me, you know? <laughs> and, and, and so she gets there, though, but she reaches in her pocket and says, you can hold mine while you're in the gym or whatever. So cool. And so we get home, and I'm looking high and low for my cell phone, even to the point where I never used Find My iPhone app before, but this time I had to use it. And I found my cell phone wedged between a box I'm saying, how in the world did it get there? So much to the point where I could have, I didn't do this, but I could have gotten to a point psychologically where I said, you know what? She knew that my phone was here and she even put it in the box. <laughs> you see, that's how if we just live on our emotion and perception, we'll assume things that are really not the truth. They're not the reality. We never think about how she reached in her pocket and said, hey, babe, you can use my phone while you're at the gym. Extending. She could have said, no. Well, too bad for you. You, you go and listen to the gym music or whatever. 
But that's not what happened. But so often we deal with individuals based on our emotion opposed to the reality. And so um, looking at this, moving right into the second point, God's love shared with us. This is what he did, and we know three things here. Number one, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. In other words, he made us alive. That's one word in the Greek, and it simply means that he made you alive. You were dead. You and I were dead, and he made us alive. He gave us life. I will ask you a question today. Do you have life in your relationship with Christ today? Is there real life there? I'm not talking about doing church. I'm not talking about, you know, doing religious functions. But is there true life in your relationship with Christ today? And then here, look, secondly, that's the vertical. But if you're married today, is there life in your marital relationship? No, I asked that because early on when I first got married, I read a book. My pastor wrote this book. And one statement it said in there, I in the 60-something pages, one phrase I never forgot. It said, your marriage is a mirror of your relationship with God. And so I started to say, whoa, you know, this is bad. If this is bad, then me and God must be really bad, you know. <laughs> that's, that's how I saw it, you know. But, but here, look, hey, he said he made us to get alive together with Christ. And we're going to see it, this word used together three times. Number one, he makes us alive. Number two, as we look here, not only did he make us alive, but he raised us up together with him. So many of us believers, you know, we walk around down and, and, you know, we think the worst of everything. We're depressed. Look here, Jesus wants to raise you up. He doesn't want to keep you down and, and depressed and so forth. He wants to lift you up. He wants to lift your countenance up. He wants to lift your spirit up, your heart up to him. And so here, not only did he um, make us alive, not only did he raise us up from the dead, but thirdly, he made us to sit together with Christ in heavenly places or heavenly realms. Watch this here. I know so often we get up and we get to going. But how about sitting with him? Sitting together with Jesus. I, 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 look here, understand this. I, I know we can know how to do the religious thing. You know, you can be very disciplined in devotion, and that's great. But is it to really encounter him or, for example, I know, you know, many years I've done the read-through schedule, but I've also been motivated to just finish it. But how about just sitting and meeting him through a few verses and just hearing his voice? You see, a lot of times we don't want to sit with Jesus. I'll tell you why. Because so often he's dealing with our heart. We'll get with Jesus for, for you. God, give me a word about my husband or, or God, give me a word about that, my sister, you know, or God, give me a word about that person. And, we, and we'll come and we'll, God's giving me a word for you. But what about what God said to you about you? You know, we, we have all, all kinds of spiritual things for everybody else. But are we willing to hear? This is what Jesus did with Peter. You remember the story in, in John chapter 21, what happened after, you know, Peter denied Jesus the three times. Jesus rose again from the grave. Peter said, man, I'm going back fishing. He goes back fishing. You know, Jesus said, oh, man, you, you guys are casting a net. You got to cast a net on the right side. And, and, 
and, and as they cast the net on the right side, they pull in some fish. And, and, and Jesus says, bring some of the fish which you have caught. That's incredible that he gave them the credit for something he did. But watch this here. He, he said, after that, it says, come and sit with me. And then he says, hey, after breakfast, after they had their fish and grits, <laughs> the grits is added to it in the passage. You don't go back and say, oh, that guy's a heretic because he said grits, okay? But look here. It says, it says, after they had breakfast, it said, Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? He got real personal. And he said, well, about those. No, no, no. Do you love me? And that's when we sit with Jesus. He will deal with us about us. Sit with him before you get running with him. Oh, yeah, he's going to raise you up. But it's first the priority to be able to sit with him regularly, daily, and hear his heart in intimacy. And here, as you look and notice, as we see this here, it's all for a purpose. And I think we find the purpose of why he made us alive, why he raised us up, and why he makes us to sit with him in heavenly realms. In verse 7, God's love shown through us as we close out. Watch this here. It says in verse 7 that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us, excuse me, in Christ Jesus. The first thing it says here is that in the ages to come, what he's saying is here is forever, for all time, for all past, present, and future, he says he might show. That word could be translated to put on public display. And what he's saying is here, look, hey, for all time, past, present, and future, I want to take your life. I want to take our lives. He wants to take our lives and put it on public display. I got a question for you today. Can Jesus put your life on public display? Or do you say, hold on, give me, give me about a week, and, and I'll be back. You know, when Jesus was coming through the town, when Zacchaeus was up in the tree, he said, Zacchaeus, come down, for today I must stay at your house. Can Jesus say that to us? Or you say, oh, hold on, let me go clean out the closet. Let me go clean up my cookies and my computer. You know, all of these things. Oh, hold on, hold on. Oh, stay right there. Stay in the living room. I'll be back. <laughs> Can he say, come on, I'm going with you to, with you to your house. I want to put your life on display because the reality is, I just want to be honest with each and every one of us today. The reality is that each one of our lives is on display. It's on public display. You can try and fake it till you make it. Or you can just simply abide in Jesus. You can just simply hang out with him. And look here. And as you look at that, that display that he wants to put your life on, it's for a purpose. Watch this here. It says that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. So that people can look at your life and say, wow, you? Unbelievable. Especially your spouse. <laughs> I just joke with husbands and wives because, you know, you have to. You have to. <laughs> but it's exceeding. Those words are very meaningful here. In other words, he's gone beyond. And it's showing riches, it's abundant wealth. 
and it's grace. Charis. Graciousness. You don't deserve. I don't deserve. We don't deserve to have the life that he allows us to be on display with when we yield it to him. But nonetheless, he says it's in his kindness that is towards us. You know, the Bible talks about his kindness leading us to repentance. Are you sensing the kindness of the Lord in your life today? When you look here and you simply see, notice these benefits, as we close out, are in Christ Jesus. That's where they're found. You want to see God put your life on display for his glory and for your people to see the richness of his grace with his kindness? It's in him. It's taking our lives and saying, hey, you know what? It's not about my life no more, but it's all about Jesus. Is your life hidden in Christ today? Look here, I don't want to assume that just because we're here on a Wednesday night that everybody here is saved. But I have to ask the question simply. If you died today, where would you go and why? I met a lady today before we, um, we came, went to the airport. We went and did a hospital visit, um, Pastor Israel and I. And we pray for one guy that's been given days before he's going to be called home. Praise the Lord. He's a believer. Put his trust in the Lord. But on the elevator, we're going down, and I share. It's just a quick ride on the elevator. And and I asked the lady, hey, you know what? Where you go today if you die? Oh, well, I think I'm going to purgatory. I said, where is that? And then we begin to talk and stuff, you know, as we get off the elevator and stuff. And I'm sharing with her just how you're saved by grace and not by works. It's not about your performance and all. And she says, everybody needs to hear this message. Like, she's just amazed. Like, I said, wow, I wish, I, I wish everybody received the gospel like that, you know. But, but she was just excited for hearing this news. And I wonder today for you. Where you go? If you say, because I do this and I do that and I go here and I do this for the Lord, I'm sorry. Your foundation is on a shaky ground. I, don't, I actually don't apologize for that. I'm just being honest. Because it's truth. Your life, if you haven't put your trust in Christ Jesus, for the one who has paid the penalty for the wrath, the judgment that you and I deserve. He's the one that died on the cross for our sins. He's the one that knew no sin and became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. It's all him. It's all grace. And so here, look, understand this here. If we haven't put our trust in him, then we're dependent on ourselves and our own efforts. And therefore, you forfeit an opportunity, a gift for what you say you have done for him. Don't live on that false premise. But simply today, as the worship team comes forward, you can go from a place where maybe you are dead in your trespasses and sins today. You can say, man, but God, on that Wednesday night, I was there at the service, and I put my trust in Jesus, and I... All of those things, I, those, you were this way, 
That could be your story today. Anybody here today knows that if they died today, they would not go to heaven, and you just want to simply pray to put your trust in Christ Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity. Anybody here? Anybody desire that? If, if, if you don't, raise your hand. That's between you and the Lord. If you know that you know that you don't have eternal life, that's between you and him. But if you didn't, and you're here today, and there's nobody, I'm rejoicing that everybody here today is saved. I'm excited about that. But I'm also equally excited about this second part, that you and I have a message to tell the world. And so whether you're in the grocery store, wherever you are, share the gift. You've been a recipient of this rich mercy. You've been a recipient of this great love and this great love that's been distributed towards us. And so we too should take on that characteristic of God and give it out to everyone else that we encounter. Amen. And so, Father, we thank you for your living word today. And we pray for the body here and surprise, Lord. Thank you. Thank you so much for them and what you're ministering to their heart. And thank you for Britt's heart and the leadership among him, Lord God. And um, we just pray tonight that you would go before each and every one of us, Lord God, that we would have a heart to love individuals even when they trespass and sin against us, Lord God, that we wouldn't hold on to things, Lord, but that we would turn it over to you and that we would be a witness of who you are in us, Lord God, among the people that you bring into our sphere of influence. And so we thank you, Lord, for what you have spoken to us. We pray now that we wouldn't just be hearers, but that we would act upon those things that your Holy Spirit has spoken to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you guys. Thank you.